Welcome to the Vault Studios Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is James Cooney and I'm joined by my co-host Lewis Glover. Lewis, how are you, buddy? James, I'm doing really well, thanks, mate. Uh, had an awesome day and I've been uh, chomping at the bit to uh, to get get home from work and, and get recording on this very first episode. I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, same here, mate. Same here. But uh, first, we've got to do some plugs. You find us on our website at www.thevaultstudios.com.au. And you also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. You can also follow Lewis at FF Down Under on Twitter and Facebook. He does amazing stuff on there, so you can uh, follow him on there. Look for the first uh, few episodes. What we're going to do is going to do a bit of a division breakdowns on obviously each team. We're going to start with the uh, NFC East champions, the Philadelphia Eagles, and we're going to work for the NFC East. And then we're going to do that for the first uh, few episodes until we get to the first preseason game. And then we're going to break down the preseason games. Uh, we're going to do like uh, sleepers, bargains, bus, all that sort of stuff before the first NFL game. What we also like to do is also do a fantasy football podcast uh, for the Vault Studios. So if you'd like to sign up for that, um, please uh, message us on Twitter or Facebook. We'd uh, like to get a listener league going and we'll have a prize at the end. We don't know what that will be yet, but I think uh, Lewis can get uh, I think an invitation to the Scott Fish uh, Bowl. Is that correct? That's the, uh, that's the hope. Uh for those who don't know, uh, Scott Fish runs a, a, a massive uh, invitational fantasy football league every year. This year it's in its eighth edition and there's 900 teams featured. It's a, it's a mix of analysts and fans from across the fantasy football industry. And uh, yeah, so for SFB9, he will be giving away some spots and I've reached out to him and hopefully as a prize for our listener league, we'll be able to get the lucky winner and entrance into the most prestigious fantasy football competition on the planet. But unfortunately, I'll be winning that, so we're going to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, but at the end of the episode, we also do a bit of mailbag too, and a bit of our draft strategy for the FF Down Under Ball, which Lewis will be running, which is a sort of similar version, but obviously for Down Under for Australians. And yeah, but before we do that, we're going to do a bit of introduction about who we are and how we got into fantasy football. Lewis, you'd like to go first? Yeah, sure. Thanks, James. Um, I've been playing fantasy football for about six years now. Like most people, I just started with a few casual redraft leagues and I got hooked from there. I, I slowly progressed into, into Dynasty. I've been doing that for about two years. Uh, and in March, I started writing Dynasty articles for... Dynasty Football Factory, so you can check out some of my work there. Um, yeah, that's me. About myself, I'm a bit like Lewis. I've uh, when I was younger, I was uh, always into my NFL.com fantasy redraft ones. I did it when I was 18 years old. Instead of uh, doing my VCE, I decided to do 30 NFL uh, fantasy teams. I won eight of them, which was pretty nice. But yeah, I'm just a fantasy fanatic. Um, I don't go as far as writing uh, articles. I'm not that into it. But I just love playing it. it. Takes up my life from September to January. That's all I do. And um, just a huge fan, not an expert, but just a huge fan. And hopefully, hopefully that I uh, can give you uh, some advice too that has helped me out throughout the years. Awesome. So should we uh, start our divisional previews and, and kick off with your team, James, the defending Super Bowl champions, the Philadelphia Eagles? How does it feel to hear that for the first time? Ah, uh, well, it was when I was at TJ Fridays. It was a bit. Uh, it was a bit. Unreal, the word it is. I uh, kind of had to slap myself in the face a couple of times because I've uh, never felt that <laughs> happiness before. Big Eagles fan, a big Sixers fan, but none of those uh, two teams have ever won it. But yeah, when they won it, it was a great feeling. Bittersweet without Carson Wentz winning it, with Nick Foles winning it. But uh, look, 
a win's a win. I'll take it. Beat your Patriots, which I'm very happy about. Yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a uh, a punch in the stomach, but you know we've we've won a few, and unfortunately, experience losing a few in the in the last decade or so as well. So yeah, not a great feeling. So moving moving swiftly on from that uh, from that terrible memory, um, we'll start. Like I said, we'll start with the Eagles, and what we thought we'd do is we'll just run down the quote unquote depth chart of the fantasy relevant players for each team and we'll go in order of their average draft position or ADP. So we'll start with the most valuable players who are who are being taken in early drafts or mock drafts and work our way down to the, the cheapest players on each roster. Uh, so the first player up for the Philadelphia Eagles is tight end Zach Ertz who had an awesome season last year. Um, I had him in a couple of teams. He was quote-unquote a sleeper at the tight end position going into last year, so it was awesome to be able to grab him quite late in drafts uh, and, and really benefit at that, at that position where there's probably only four to five at most consistent plays on any given week. Uh, so if you can lock down one of those elite tight end positions, you're doing well. Um, so James, given that uh, Zach Ertz is no longer a sort of sleeper type player. Are you comfortable taking him at his his ADP of, of 37? Look, at 37, it's a bit high for a tight end, but as you said, there's only good four or five tight ends. you got uh, Rob Kronkowski, you got Jimmy Graham, you got Greg Olsen, you got Zach Ertz now. Those are the type of tight ends that are consistent on each basis. When you go throughout the league now, no Jason Witten's gone. Um, a lot of, yeah... Tony, oh no, Tony Gonzalez is too old for him. Uh, but there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of tight ends that is they're just not there anymore. There's no consistent tight ends. And when you like, we lost Trey Burton this year, which I'm going to put as my sleeper for Chicago. But when you look at the tight end positions, a lot of streamer you, you stream a lot. You can't mm-hmm. you can't find a consistent tight end. Yep. And if you I'm one of my draft shows is I always take a tight end early because I don't really trust the streamer system because it's just hit and miss every week. Yep. But for 37, oh, look, I like Zach Ertz. I did mock draft last night. Uh, I like Zach Ertz. I would take him in the third round. Oh, sorry, the thir- third or fourth round. He's he's going to be consistent for Carson Wentz all year. Under Doug Peterson, good offensive system. Look, there's a lot to like with Zach Ertz. Even though they drafted a, uh, Dallas Goodart in the second round, he's not going to be used much. They use a lot of t- uh, two tight end sets. I just, I just like Zach Ertz a lot. Yeah, I like him too. You know, anyone who watched him play last year knows what a talent he is, and it's so it was his coming out party, if you like. And if you look at the players around him at his ADP, either side of him, you've got Aaron Rodgers, Amari Cooper, and then one either side of that, you've got Derek Henry and Alex Collins. And to be honest, Zachary stands out in redraft for me in, in that range because as we'll touch on or get to in more detail later, I'm not a fan of taking quarterback early, so I would never draft Aaron Rodgers. Amari Cooper, I'm a big fan of the talent, but he had a down year last year, and we'll wait and see with the with the new Gruden offense. Derek Henry, I was all in on until they brought in Dion Lewis. And Alex Collins is a good running back, but I think if you've taken a couple of running backs in the first two rounds here's a good spot to, to go ahead and grab an elite tight end who's going to put up close to, you know, consistent wide receiver numbers for you. So I'm with you. I'm quite comfortable with his, his draft position there. 
Yeah, what do you think of JJ then? He's around that age. He's about 42, 43. Yeah. What do you think of his status? I'm less excited about JJ, to be honest. Why's that? Uh, I like I like him as a talent. Uh, I especially like him because he's he's born in England, and it's always good to have have a few of us representing in the uh, in the NFL. But there's just so many mouths to feed in the in the Philly backfield. I know the Garrett Blunt left, but Corey Clement had a uh, awesome Super Bowl. Uh, Darren Sproles is coming back for one more year, and his name escapes me now. Uh, but there's a an, another running back in Wendell there. Small. You might be able to help me out, B. Yeah, Wendell Small. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. So there's a lot of mouths to feed there, and and there is this concern about his knees, which is what caused him to fall in the draft. Whether this could be the year, who knows? But but yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking to take someone else in that range. And if it came down to Zach Ertz or JJ, I know I'm definitely taking Zach Ertz. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably more high than JJ than you are. Look, as mm-hmm. you said, his knees, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's got, got a year to recover. He's going to come back good. He's got a year under Doug uh, Peterson's offense. Um, he is going to be the workhorse. He's going to run between the tackles. Corey Clement and Darren Sproles, they're more third down backs. He's going to be one and two. Or down three and four, actually, with the Eagles. But yeah, look, I like a Jay. He's going to... He did rip out some monster runs that helped his uh, fantasy status towards the end of the year, but I reckon under a, yeah, under Doug Peterson's system, I reckon he's gonna have a, a good year. Uh, All right, so let's move on to the next guy, uh, and that's Alshon Jeffrey, who who came in last year on a one-year prove-it deal. He's recently signed uh, an extension to stay long-term with the Eagles. He's been rewarded. You started to see a nice relationship develop with Carson Wentz. He's a supremely talented pass catcher, and his ADP is about 48, 49 in, in that range. Uh, 50, actually, is his, is his most recent one. So what are your thoughts on, on Jeffrey? He is coming for rotator cuff surgery, which doesn't help his status, but he was playing for a rotator cuff injury all last year. So what does that tell you about him? I He put up numbers all year with Carson Wentz. Um, obviously, when Nick Foles came in, he sort of, dip towards the fantasy finals but yeah Alshon Jeffrey's fine for a year if he's at 48 and I'm there I'll take him um, and now that yeah Mike Wallace isn't going to do much really let's be honest he's sort of five years too old uh, <laughs> Nelson Aguilar he's obviously last year was a good sleeper obviously everyone picked him up on the waiver wire helped me out with a few fantasy teams but he's going to be a slot receiver he won't be on the outside like Alshon he'll be playing most of the down so I'm I wouldn't say 40. I'm not too high if he was going 40s, but 40, that's a perfect number for him. Yeah, I like Alshon in that range as well. As you as you said, he played through that rotator cuff injury. He has dealt with a lot of injuries throughout his career. He's one of the those wide receivers that always seems to be on the midweek and pregame injury reports. Um, for those of you who listen to the ESPN Fantasy Football podcast, uh, you know he's on Stefania Bell's Do Not Draft list. She's the uh, injury specialist over there. She just she won't take Alshon Jeffrey. But the upside is there, and that's baked into his ADP, I think, because if you can guarantee a 16-game season out of him, his talent in the offense with Carson Wentz, he'd be going much higher than uh, 50 overall. I think he, he has that low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two upside that you're looking for. And if you can get him at the back end of the fourth round, I think that's a steal. Um, 
if you compare him to the players in his range, you've got rookie running back with the Patriots, Sony Michelle, Mark Ingram. I'm not sure why Mark Ingram is still being drafted so high considering his suspension and rookie running back Royce Freeman all in that in that range. So out of those, I'd easily take Alshon Jeffrey, especially with my preference for building a team around wide receivers in the in the first few rounds of the draft. And if you look at a very, very deep sleeper, I'll very much enjoy Matt Collins. He's uh, second year uh, in Philadelphia, but he did see a few few targets in the uh, in the playoffs. But as a third wide receiver, if Mike Wallace isn't there, I reckon he's a good he's a good one to look at as well as a waiver wire pick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. I've got Matt Collins stashed in a in a few very very deep roster dynasty leagues, but. For redraft, you're definitely not, not going to be taking him, but just keep an eye on him because he he might not produce in the first half of the season, but just look, look for those those targets to start to come his way each week, and especially down the stretch in weeks 13, 14, 15, he might end up being a uh, a fantasy playoff star for you. You, you want players, your, your sleepers, to be in, in offenses that are going to score a lot of points, and the Philadelphia Eagles are pretty much guaranteed to do that this season. Um, lastly, we've got on our list for the Eagles, the we re- mentioned them earlier, Corey Clement and Nelson Aguilar. Um, James, what are your thoughts on, on those two guys? As a Corey Clement, he's down in the 110s, I believe, for an average uh, mm-hmm. trial position. I like him there. Good sleeper. Someone in the late range you can hit on. Um, he's going to see Elliot. He's going to see a lot of third down targets, a lot of fourth down targets, but he will be sharing the load with Darren Sproles, which is going to hurt him a bit. But then again, Sproles is what 35, 36, so he's going to be not on the field as much. And coming off a horrific injury like he'd had, I don't think Sproles will be used as much as Clement. But Clement at 110 is very good, and Aguilar too, good slot receiver. It's going to see a lot of targets with Carson Wentz. Um, Another year improved. Yeah, not much you can say. He's going to be at 115, 100% take him there. He's probably, I'd probably take him at probably 100, but 115, I'm definitely going to take him there. Yeah, I agree with you on Aguilar, 100%. When you get to that phase of the draft, you're looking for players who are going to have a ton of upside, and he's definitely got that. And he he struggled, no doubt, in his in his first few years in the league, and I think last season was make or break. He was had an opportunity to, to prove himself or he was gonna be he was gonna be out of the door. And it's it was good to see him finally, you know, uh, to show what he was drafted for. And it was um, it was fun to watch and still at hundred and seventeen people people aren't believing in the talent and I'd yeah, I'd happily happily take him there. I can see one pick below him at at 118 is the Minnesota Vikings defense, and as a general rule of thumb, I pick defense and kicker with my last two picks, so Same that's team. a no-brainer for me. I'd rather take a wide receiver with the upside at that ADP. Um, lastly, we've got to mention Carson Wentz. We do have to mention Carson Wentz. Got to, don't want to miss him. Top five quarterback last year. He's coming off a bad ACL tear sort of towards the end of the year, so he might not be ready. Uh, what are your thoughts? Do you reckon he's going to be 100 percent by week one, or uh, whether he's 100 percent by week one? Uh, I have absolutely no idea. My medical expertise is zero. 
whether I'm willing to, to risk drafting him on the off chance that he is ready by week one or even week two, three, probably not for me. His ADP is, is 70, which isn't isn't super high. That means you're taking him at the, the back end of the, the sixth round. Uh, but even that is is still early for me to, to take a quarterback in, in, in single quarterback leagues. Looking at players in that range, you've got you've got Will Fuller, you've got Kyle Rudolph, Kerryon Johnson, Pierre Gosson, Tevin Coleman, all players I'd rather take a chance on than, than a quarterback. I, I recognize his upside and if it all goes well for him, he has the, he has the talent and, and the, the players around him to, to finish as a top three quarterback in fantasy this season. But given the, the strength of the Eagles roster all around and the fact that they won a Super Bowl with with Nick Foles and Carson Wentz sat on the bench hurt, they have no incentive to rush him back. He's, he's their franchise, he's their future. And it, it wouldn't surprise me if we see Nick Foles start the first first game, first two, three games of the season, and they let Carson Wentz get back to 100%. So based off of that, I'm not willing to, to draft him, even though it is the late sixth round. If he fell later on, if, uh, and everyone in the league was like-minded, then I might might take the chance on him. But uh, at 72 overall, it's just a little too rich for me when the quarterback position is deeper than it's ever been. Yeah, so deep this year. Jimmy G as well, Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford, all going behind him. I would rather take them than risk it on Carson Wentz. Agreed. And if a, uh, a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan is saying that, you can, uh, you can best believe it's real. Well, I'm going to be taking Nick Foles number one anyway, so... <laughs> Super Bowl MVP Alright, let's uh, move on to the Dallas Cowboys um, They've had a horrible uh, off-season They've uh, lost both their, both their main uh, passing targets for uh, Dak Prescott He's, They've lost Jason Witten, they've lost Des Bryant They haven't really added anyone They've got Alan Hearns from Jacksonville Which, I don't know, is a number one wide receiver I'm not liking um, But yeah I guess the main talking point of the Dallas Cowboys is Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, and there's no dispute in Ezekiel Elliott's talent as a as a running back. He's phenomenal. He's also aided by that immense O line. And you know, we we saw it a little while back. They plugged in Darren McFadden. They plugged in Alfred Morris. They've plugged in Rod Smith. They've all had success running behind that line, and it's just amplified when you put it back with the talent of Zeke back there. Um, he's, he's going about three or four. Um, in terms of the, the top four tier of running backs, in my mind you have, obviously you've got Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, and Zeke Elliott. Zeke could probably, probably be the fourth back in that list of four out of, out of, for me. So, is that a bad thing? No, because they're all supremely talented running backs. But when you're picking in the top three, you're really splitting hairs. And So I wouldn't take Zeke in the top three. If I'm picking at four, I'd probably consider taking him. But there would also be a decision to make with uh, a potential you know, wide receiver such as Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins. Because at the end of the day, Zeke's just he's a dickhead. And there's just a chance that... He's not going to stay on the field for all 16 games this season. Yeah, it really hurt uh, me. What are your thoughts? Yeah, he hurt me last year when I took him in, hoping that he'd be back for the uh, playoffs, and then uh, just destroyed him and got suspended at the end of the year. But yeah, Zeke Elliott, 
top running back. He can't go wrong with him. He's got a great offensive line in front of him. Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott a, a running quarterback, is going to help him too. It's going to open up a lot of the field for him. Um, yeah, if you're taking, if you've got the pick number four, take him at four. If you got him at pick, if he's there at pick three, pick two, pick one, I wouldn't be shocked if someone took him. But I wouldn't be shocked either. I can see a lot of people taking Zeke because because of the reasons you said, and there's a chance, there's a very good chance that after the end of this season, he's played a full 16 games. He's the number one running back in fantasy, and everyone who doubted him has got egg on their face. It's an entirely possible possible outcome and there's no um, one to take touches off him either the, his PPR value is going to be huge like I've got here that Tavon Austin's their third running back like how, how the hell is he the third running back like just, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what Dallas are doing but yeah um, let's move on to Dak Prescott can he Dak. can he be effective without anybody to throw to I mean it's going to be difficult, but like you just mentioned, Dak does score far more points with his legs than than uh, people realise and sort of credit him for. They don't think him as that that real true dual threat quarterback, but he has gotten fancy teams points in the past, and he's now being drafted in the 13th round uh, behind Alex Smith, Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota. Pat Mahomes, Big Ben. If I'm waiting on quarterback, I'm more than happy rolling out Dak Prescott as my quarterback one every week. And in the middle of the 13th round, he just represents such great value. Um, yeah, I'll be happy to take a flyer on him if he's there in the late rounds. Um, what are your thoughts on, yeah, Alan Hearns, Michael Gallup, Terrence Williams, Cole Beasley? Anybody that could be a sleeper target there or just give up on them? Well, someone's got to catch the passes. It's difficult at this point to sort of predict who who might emerge. Terence Williams has got a small legal issue going on. I don't know whether anything's going to come of that with the with the league after his intoxicated bike ride. I think it was. Alan Hearns has proven that he can be a reliable fantasy asset. He did that in in Jacksonville before he got hurt. Dak Prescott is a considerably better quarterback than Blake Bortles. And also, he's just going to be in a better fantasy situation because the Cowboys are going to be throwing the ball more often. They're probably going to find themselves behind more than, say, a team like Jacksonville. So you could do worse than taking a chance on Alan Hearns, especially at his, at his ADP of, of 103. And, you know, around, around that range, you've got... Marquise Goodwin, Robbie Anderson, Matt Stafford. So I'm, I'd be very comfortable taking him there as you know, as my wide receiver. If you get him as your wide receiver four, you get him as a, a flex play. He does have that upside through the season to be able to come in and eventually start putting up wide receiver two numbers for you just out of sheer volume. You never know what's going to happen. He, he strikes up a rapport with with Dak. He he. he you know, separates himself from the rest of the depth chart, and and all of a sudden he becomes a target monster. And even if they're not all quality targets, the the key to success in fantasy football is volume, and he may he may well get that volume provided, you know, there's nothing crazy happens like a a surprise return for for Des, which I, I don't foresee happening. No, I would love to see that happen. Actually, that'd be one of the one of the best. Oh, be awesome! Could, one of the best things the Cowboys could do. 
Um, let's move on to the Redskins. Um, obviously, they've uh, had a big change at the quarterback. They've got rid of Kirk Cousins. They added Alex Smith. Uh, they also added Darius Juice in the draft and Paul Richardson from Seattle. Um, where do you want to start? I reckon Darius Juice is a good uh, place to start. Do you reckon this rookie running back could have a good season? I think he could have a great season. Darius Juice, guys. I'm not exactly sure how I'm saying this name, but I like I like Juice. Juice on the loose. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, he fell in the draft for, for whatever reason that was. There was all of those bogus reports flying around that he was bad character and he had a fight at the Eagles tr- facility when he went for an interview. Yeah, it must be bad. Then. And I'm not, ex- yeah, I'm not entirely sure what all that was about, but all he's done since he was drafted to the Redskins was be an exemplary member of the organization. He's already raised a shed load of money for, for cancer research. He bought a bunch of fans tickets to a movie. He plays Fortnite with fans. Like, what's not to like about this dude? And you just... You just want to watch him play because of his really nasty, violent running style. And I'm excited to see him to see him play. I think he's going to get all the opportunity in the world there. The Redskins have got a strong offensive line. Um, Chris Thompson is is there as a, as a third down back. He showed he couldn't hold up to the workload last season. He's a he's a slighter slighter frames running back. So guys, he's gonna gonna get that two down thumper roll and also all of the goal line work as well so yeah I think I think we can expect big things from Darius guys this season Jay Gruden loves to run on the uh, the goal line as well he 10th uh, most in the NFL as well so he's gonna be a lot of uh, touchdown targets could be there for Darius Juice um, Alex Smith unbelievable season last year top five in quarterback points don't think he's gonna do that this year though I just don't see the weapons for him he doesn't have Tyreek Hill, doesn't have uh, Kelsey, doesn't have the rookie rushing leader as well, Kareem Hunt. Um, he's, in a, he's in a good system with Jay Gruden, but from Andy Reid to Jay Gruden, there's a big drop-off. Um, I just don't see him becoming the player that he was last year. He doesn't like to take risks, which is a, another huge one for me. So a lot of those touchdowns he had last year just came out of sheer offensive system, which I don't think Jay Gruden will be able to provide for him because I just don't think he has the talent around him. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would, I would tend to agree. And if you go back and watch some of the, the tape from the, the Chiefs last season, a few of those really long touchdowns that he had were were checkdowns to, to Tyreek and he let him do his thing or you know just the fact that Tyreek is an insanely good deep threat and no one can cover him. And it's why Smith, for the first time in his career, was able to, to be a successful deep passer of the ball. Like you said, they don't have that explosive field stretcher uh, in Washington. And I don't expect Smith to, to put up anywhere near the kind of numbers that he, that he did last season. He's older now as well, so he's not as mobile as he used to be. He used to have a, a quite a decent floor because he would, he would roll out and, and rush for first downs. I can't see him doing that, doing that quite as much. Um, yeah, he's been drafted, what is it, 100, 142, roughly, which is a, the 12th round. Again, you'll, you'll hear me harp on about it all the time, but my tendency to wait on quarterback. I, I would draft Alex Smith as my quarterback too, my second QB on the roster, if, if he was to fall, fall in that range. But I have a feeling, based on what he did last year, he was so good 
that he isn't going to fall that far. I think people are going to remember the, the points from last season, and they're going to they're going to reach and grab him. If he falls, I'll take him. If he doesn't, I won't. It's it's simple as that. And I I think he has a high end QB two, low end QB one season at best. Yeah, he's a bye week starter for me. He's not going to be a QB one like he was last year. Um, his targets though, he's got Jameson Crowder, he's got Jordan Reed, Paul Richardson, Josh Doxton. Anyone you like from there? Yeah, there's a couple of couple of players I like in there. Uh, Jameson Crowder, I think, is going to see quite a few targets. He plays that that slot role, and, and Alex Smith has has been known to to target his his slot players. Um, so, and not last year, but it was 2016. He had a his breakout season. He scored quite a few touchdowns and, and had quite a few receptions from Kirk Cousins. So, Jameson Crowder is a, a nice option, and Paul Richardson is the cheapest of the lot at 157, which, in my mind, is far, far, far too cheap considering. Um, they they went out, they brought brought him in. I think they paid him quite a lot of money. If you bear with me one second. Oh. Pretty sure it was for $8 million over three years. Oh, sorry, $24 oh, it was a, No, he was... So he signed a, a five-year, $40 million contract uh, with a total guaranteed amount of, of $16.5 million. So if you're a believer in following the money, which I am to a certain extent, uh, especially the guarantee of money. 16.5 million guaranteed is is a nice nice chunk of change to hand a wide receiver. So I think they're going to utilize Paul Richardson. He had a few nice games for Seattle where he was fighting fighting off Doug Baldwin and Jimmy Graham for his targets. So at 157, I think he's a, a really worthwhile late-round player. And he's only 26 years old, so this, this really could be his breakout season. Absolutely, I agree with you there. Um, Jordan Reed, um, he's getting picked at 93 at the moment as a tight end. He's just not durable enough for me. Um, he's always injured for some reason. I don't know. I think he's broken every bone in his body so far. He's just He just doesn't stay on the field. He's good when he's on the field. He just can't stay on the field. Um, I wouldn't be taking him at 93. He's just, yeah, as I said, injury prone. Um, he can't be trusted. What are your thoughts? His, his talent's undeniable. You watch watch him play. He's he's awesome. He catches everything thrown his way. He makes players miss. He puts his body on the line, which is half the reason why he's already hurt. But 93, he'd have to be going at 193 for me to consider taking him. He's never played 16 games. Um, yeah, it's just just far too high for me to be taking taking him there. The upside is is definitely there. If if he does play 16 games, he'll be uh, a top three, top five tight end without question. Alex Smith loves the tight end position. Last two seasons, he threw more passes to the tight end than any other quarterback in the league. But the question with Jordan Reed is his health. So, you know, if you could guarantee even 13 games, I'd, I'd happily draft him. But you just you just don't know with all his injuries. So it's, it's too risky for me. And um, I'd also... Uh, encourage people to go out and as a, a last pick in the draft perhaps or really keep an eye on the waiver wire is, is Vernon Davis as a replacement because if any tight end is durable it's it's old man Vern 
He's played with Alex Smith before. They have a tremendous rapport together. Uh, he'll be free in drafts. You won't even have to draft him. You can get him off the waiver wire. And I can't see Jordan Reed playing the, the 16 games. He's not done it. I don't see why he would do it. So I think Vernon Davis is a is a, a really deep option on that on that depth chart. Sounds good. And lastly, we move on to the New York Giants, who famously have added Saquon Barkley to their team, and have also added the ghost of Jonathan Stewart. Um, don't know why they did that. Poor one. Jonathan Stewart. They brought him in, and then they were, and then they went and drafted Saquon Barkley. I think he's just there because he's, you know, Gettleman's bitch. He. Gettleman's bitch. He'll he'll hang out. He'll go on the practice on, on the practice field. I don't think we'll we'll see him get too many carries. Maybe to give Barkley a rest every now and again. But hey, good good for Stewart. I think he's probably probably got one two seasons maybe left in the league. If he can if he can get paid, and I think they're paying him a, an okay amount of money considering his age and the position he plays. Good for him. That's true. So uh, we're going to introduce a segment uh, Saquon Watch, which uh. Obviously, because everyone likes to talk about Saquon Barkley, I don't as much, but uh, I think Lewis does. Lewis has got a big man crush on him. I do. I have such a man crush on Saquon Barkley, and I want to have this segment Saquon Watch because I'm so excited to see what he does every week, and I just want to be able to talk about it because I think he's going to do big things, and this is going to be my outlet to talk all things Saquon Barkley each week. And it was actually... One of the questions we had from our from our listeners or our listeners in the future had a question from Nick Farnan specifically on Saquon Barkley, and he wanted to know what he thought what we thought his ceiling was. And I think his ceiling is probably top three running back this season. Saquon Barkley has it all. Last season he has was the top five running backs. In the, in the nation with yards from scrimmage. He had 1,900. He had the most receiving yards by a running back, which is 632 on 54 catches, which is absolutely uh, absolutely necessary in, in today's NFL. Your running backs have to be able to catch passes, so they stay on the field for all three. Look, if you haven't seen Saquon Barkley play, do yourself a favor, go into YouTube and type in Saquon Barkley versus Iowa. It's incredible. He has 300 yards from scrimmage, he scores a touchdown, and it's one of the best college running back games you'll probably ever see. So if you haven't haven't already seen that, take the night off, go and watch Saquon Barkley, and uh, just just enjoy it because he is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I could go on all night about Saquon Barkley. I don't know if everyone wants to hear me go on all night about Saquon Barkley. So let's talk about him from... Uh, fantasy point of view. He's currently going 7th overall, which some people are very, very reluctant to pay um, for, for an unproven running back who hasn't played a down in the NFL, which I completely understand. I get that. I'm, I'm, very, I'm hesitant about him in Dynasty at that price, but in redraft, it's one season. Take the chance on the guy if, if you're at 7. I'd rather have to take a chance on Saquon Barkley than, than Alvin Kamara for example. So fire up Saquon Barkley with confidence at, at number seven, especially if you don't, if you miss out on one of those top four running backs we were talking about earlier. Gurley, Bell, DJ, Zeke. Saquon's number five for me, so I'd happily happily take him. 
And with Saquon Barkley too, with Pat Shermer as head coach, the uh, Minnesota Vikings last year ranked second in run percentage. So he's going to get a lot of touches through there. Um, they're going to throw to him a lot. Um, Eli Manning is a horrible, horrible, horrible quarterback now. He's not going to be throwing. <laughs> he's not going to be throwing uh, many passes over ten yards. He'll be. I reckon he'll be a lot of checkdowns, a lot of Saquon Barkley. He's going to be featured a lot. He's young. Um, not much else to say about him, as Lewis said. He's going to be a superstar, I reckon. Going to hate playing him every couple of years, uh, every t- uh, couple of times a year, sorry. But yeah, I think he is going to be an absolute stud. He's worth it at seven. Um, even though Kumara is going to be the f- uh, playing the first f- uh, four games without uh, Mark Ingram, I just, I just see too much upside in Saquon Barkley, especially that, yeah, um, Ingram is going to come back and he's going to hamper him towards the playoff se- uh, season. I just like Barkley a lot. Um, probably not as much as you do, but yeah, at seven, he's perfect. Yeah, and we'll we'll touch on Kamara more when we when we preview the the Saints in depth. But there's other running backs on the roster there that are going to take touches. And for those who don't know, Alvin Kamara had one of the most efficient seasons in NFL history. Not last year, not the year before, in the entire NFL history in terms of yards per touch. His efficiency is going to come down to earth. He, he can't sustain that, that level. And I think some people are going to be slightly, I won't say massively, slightly disappointed with, with what Kamara does. I think he's still going to score some serious points. Um, I'll take this opportunity, though, to quickly plug an upcoming article I'll be be putting out on the on the Vault Studios website. Uh, my first article, you guessed it, will be on Saquon Barkley. So stay tuned for that if you want a proper deep dive into to why I love him so much and why I think he's going to be so great this season. I'll be addressing the concerns about the Giants offensive line, about you know, rookie running backs, uh, unproven talent in the NFL, all those kind of things. So, so keep your eyes peeled for that, and we'll be we'll be sharing it as well. Um, so it's probably enough about Saquon for now. Um, we've got some some other players to talk about for the Giants. Maybe the best receiver in the NFL in in Odell Beckham. So, mm. James, what's what's your outlook for for OBJ this season? Uh, overrated. At ten. At his draft position at 10, um, he's coming off an injury. He's got Eli Manning throwing to him, which isn't going to help him. Uh, I just don't think at 10 he is worth it. Uh, when you've got other people like Delvin Cook, you've got Melvin Gordon, who I like a lot more than Odell Beckham. Um, Michael Thomas has got Drew Brees throwing to him. Devonta Adams with uh, Aaron Rodgers coming back. It's just at, at wide receiver number two, I just don't like him there. DeAndre Hopkins is a much better... Uh, pick as well. Um, Odell's a phenomenal talent, but at ten, I just don't see him. Just don't see the value there. Mark, mark it down, James, because we're about to have our, our first disagreement on this on this podcast. I nearly fell off my chair when you said OBJ overrated, not worth it at ten. My goodness, OBJ at ten, you people are insane. That that value is just. It's it's unbelievable. I know he had an ankle injury. I know he's got Eli, Eli Manning in his his noodle throwing the ball. <clears throat> but you could put you or me out there throwing OBJ the ball, and he'd still put up wide receiver one numbers. That man is an absolute freak. He's the most talented receiver in the NFL by far, in my opinion. He's 
He has the big body presence like Julio Jones without being big bodied. He's fast. He beats players. He's got unbelievable hands. Give me Odo Beckham all day at, at 10. That's, yeah. That's, yep. But at least, with Julio, at least with Julio, you got Matt Ryan throwing to him. Actually, good player. Like Eli Manning. <laughs> like, I don't, know, I don't know how he's going to put up points. Julio doesn't score touchdowns. Julio Jones does not score touchdowns. OBJ yeah, he scores get, He just gets 250 yards. A so lot of them. He just gets 250 yards. So that's, just, that's what uh, Julio does. Doesn't need to put up touchdowns. He blows up, he blows up three games a season. And, and Julio is awesome. But, you know, OBJ, man. Oh, I can't believe it. Overrated. He is. Let's face it. And when he plays the Eagles every two years, he doesn't do anything. Who's the Eagles got a quarterback? OBJ is going to torch them. Doesn't matter. It really doesn't. We just we got a front seven. That's all we need. We just tell you what. I, I, we just change. When, when do the for... Eagles? When do the Eagles and the Giants first play? Let me look at this right now. Let's have a look at the Eagles schedule because I sense a bet coming on, my friend. Not a bet when I'm going to win. I... The Giants play the Eagles first. What's well, in Australia? It's the 12th of October uh, at MetLife. If OBJ plays, yeah. I reckon 90 yards and a touchdown in the back. That's if he plays. He might be at the club too. <laughs> he could. He could be at the club in fake fight videos of him getting knocked out. That's not actually not actually him. Go on. 90 yards. 90 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, y- yes or no. Uh, yeah, no. He's obviously not going to be doing that. He's he's not going to be doing that? No, no way. All right, I'm writing that down. 90 yards and a touchdown. So what's... I, re- I reckon he's good for at least 15 fantasy points that game in PPR scoring. Okay. I'll make it I'll make it easier for you. I'll go 17.5. Go for it. Doesn't, doesn't bother me. That's it. Put it put it in the bank. You can, you can guarantee it now. OBJ over 17.5 against the Eagles. All right. All right. Whatever. Uh, what about uh, Eli Manning's other targets? He's got uh, Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram. Ingram coming off a good rookie season. Um, he's going at the moment 66. Um, I don't see the value at him at 66 just because. Odell is coming back, and Barkley will be there. He's going to be uh, missing a lot of targets. A lot of those balls aren't going to be coming to him like they did last year. So at 66, I'm not a huge fan of Evan Ingram, even though I do like the talent. I just, yeah, just don't think the uh, the passes will be there for him this year. Yeah, look at that. We're back to agreeing with each other. Uh, <laughs> he finished his Titan 5 in PPR scoring last year, um, and I, I agree with you. They've, with a lot of mouths to feed there, I think... Um, we'll, we'll move on to a minute, but I think Eli Manning is actually a sneaky good play this season. Uh, but yeah, Evan Ingram is not going to see the, the volume that he is uh, that he's going to need to finish as a top five tight end. Last last year, it was really the, the walking wounded for the, for the Giants. They they were putting anyone and everyone out on the field. They had practice squad players. They were signing guys off the street. It wasn't a good situation for them. And then of course they decided to. Uh, to bench Eli for that one game inexplicably. Yeah, well, uh, so I, 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 all I was going to say is that uh, Eli Manning did deserve to be benched. Uh, he shouldn't be playing anymore, and I don't know why you would uh, think he's a sneaky good play. I'll tell you why he's a sneaky good play, because you look at the, the weapons he 
He's got there. He's got Odell Beckham, Aaron Ingram, Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, and now he has a semblance of an offensive line. He doesn't need to be throwing bombs down the field. He's got enough weapons, and he's going to have enough protection to be able to. I'm not talking top five quarterback numbers at all, but I think he's going to be no, a mid middle of the road quarterback. Quarterback two. Let's say, where did he finish last year? He finished 23rd overall last season, which was just horrible. He had Flowers at left tackle, who was just a turnstile getting him murdered. Wasn't he a he right tackle now? No, Odell, Odell Beckham. He's a right tackle. Eli's got more time to see no. to see the pass rush coming. It's okay. on his blind. Okay. It's on his blind side. But <laughs> I just just all, all the weapons. So something's wrong because. Either all of his weapons suck and he's not going to be able to do anything with them, or Eli's going to do a little bit better than people think. And I, and I, I, I tend to lean towards towards the latter. And I just think he will finish better than than 23rd. I'm looking at some of the names ahead of him. You know, Josh McCown is obviously not going to play. Uh, Jacoby Brissett's probably going to be set by Andrew Luck, so you put him ahead of him there. I. Andy Dalton at 17 seems like a, a realistic range for Eli Manning to finish this year. Um, 17, 18, around that range. So you plug him in for a few weeks. You put him in against in the right matchups. Start. Am I saying you should start Eli Manning against Jacksonville? No, but if you get the right matchup, he's got the weapons to be able to score you some points. And based off of where you're able to get him, what is it, 100, 158th? Overall, oh, he's dropped more recently, 165. End of the 13th, beginning of the 14th round, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd feel okay about riding with Eli. Eli the mouth breather is my QB2. Wow. Okay, well, to be honest, I'd probably prefer Nick Foles, a recent Super Bowl MVP before Eli Manning, who he's actually going to play, but, you know, he's just a good uh, handcuff to Carson Wentz <laughs> just in case he doesn't. Um, but Nick yeah, Foles, the water boy. Nick Foles of Waterway, you're just out of it, mate. Honestly, if you think you think Eli Manning's gonna be a good player, that's just that's just unrealistic. I'd probably rather. Have... I didn't say I didn't say he's gonna be a good NFL quarterback, but I think he can still put up fantasy points. There's there's a uh, there's a big difference. Blake Bortles has put up fantasy football points his entire career, and he's not a very good NFL quarterback. But yeah, I think I think he I think Eli can can score you some points. Who would you rather have, Eli or Case Keenum? Case Keenum. Keenum? Eli yeah. or Dak Prescott? Where did we say Dak was being drafted again? Ah, oh, Dak's only just ahead of him. Dak Prescott. Okay. I'm not. I'm not completely insane. Okay. Sure. Sure you are. Sure you are. Um, <laughs> is there anything else you want to hit on for New York Giants? We mentioned Sterling Shepard um, fading him this year. Yeah, we sort of uh, gone past uh, him. Yeah, we glossed gloss over him. Just, just the volume, the mouth to feed, and like you said earlier, they're going to be running the ball a lot. So I just don't think the volume is going to be there to support three pass catches plus Saquon Barkley in the passing game. And I think Sterling Shepard is probably the one who who misses out. Uh, if anything happens to to OBJ or Evan Ingram, then that would obviously change. But but for now, yeah, Sterling Shepard at, at 100 and, at 100 and, where is he? 111. 
yeah, I'd I'd rather take a chance on on some of the other players in that range. George Kittle, for example, he's going at 114. If I'm waiting on tight end, I'd rather take George Kittle as my as my tight end one than than Sterling Shepard as my wide receiver four or five or whatever he might be at that range. I'd agree with you there, or Nelson Aguilar as well. Um, yeah, I'd absolutely rather have Nelson Aguilar than, than Sterling Shepard. Alrighty, well that does it for our NFC East preview. Um, we'll just go on to a quick mailbag question. Uh, Lewis, would you like to answer it since uh, they got messaged you? Yeah, absolutely. So I may as well uh, introduce it properly. This season, uh, I'm commissioning a league called the FF Damnable. You can find the hashtag on Twitter. Follow follow me at FF underscore Downunder to see all about it. Some of you people who are listening may be already in it. It's a 120-team redraft league. And Todd Kearns reached out on Facebook, and he wanted to know what our draft strategy for it's going to be. So when deciding your draft strategy, like any league, you've just got to make sure you're familiar with the starting roster requirements, the scoring settings, and then obviously where you're drafting from. So I tried to make the FF Down Under Bowl a little bit unique. It's a one quarterback plus super flex league, start two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, and three flex positions. And the quarterbacks score six points for a passing touchdown, only minus two for interceptions. Every position is a full point PPR, and tight end has an additional bonus of 1.5 points per reception, which takes them to a total of 2.5 points per reception overall. So I really tried to, to bring up the tight end value. I think it makes it a bit more balanced. I think it just adds another wrinkle to the to the scoring. Um, so in terms of, of draft strategy, I think it changes changes a lot from your, your standard 12-team redraft, one-quarterback PPR league. Now, the way that the down under bowl works is there's 10 divisions of 12 teams. Each division is its own isolated quote-unquote mini-league. They each have a copy of every player, so every division has its own individual draft. So I'm picking out from the third spot, I believe it is. Uh, yeah, you give yourself picking, that one? Picking one of... Sorry? Did you give yourself that one, or...? Or was it all random? Was it? Uh, I don't know. I was, it, yeah, it was, it, it was random. Okay. Or I, I went to the effort of, of coordinating 120 people so I could pick, give myself a high draft spot. Well, all I know is <laughs> I got, tw- I don't know how I got 12, but I've got 12, and uh... it had absolutely nothing to do with the fact that you're an Eagles fan. Sure. Okay. Okay. I can, I can, I can tell you that for free. Sure, did mate. Sure. Nothing to do with that at all, but <laughs> but in terms of in terms of my draft strategy, you've, I harped on about it all episode, but I take my quarterbacks late. Now we're at superflex though; it, it changes things. It changes the equation of the value of quarterbacks and the you know the opportunity cost of drafting a quarterback early, especially when they score six points for a passing touchdown and still only lose minus two points for interceptions. So. I'm more inclined to draft a, what my first quarterback probably in the first five or six rounds. I'm still not going to be the the first person to take one, but I'm I'm happy to to take one of the the top end ones. 
103, I'm taking one of those stud running backs, and then I'll be building my team around wide receivers because I think people are going to be reaching on running backs. They seem to be in vogue. They seem to be popular. So I'll be taking wide receivers and, and tight ends and then filling in my team with running backs outside of my, my 103 pick as I'm where and able. So what about you from the, from the 112 spot? You get that nice turn, the, the 112, the 201. What do you think you're going to be doing there? Well, my strategy is now is just take the best available player there. I'm not too sure if it's going to be... I hopefully got a few players in mind. I did a quick mock draft last night. Um, didn't get the players I wanted, but hopefully they can be there. I'm not going to tell anyone who they are just in case they take them from me. Um, but, yeah, as you said, I'm probably going to look at quarterback re not early, but I've already got two in mind. you got Jimmy G, you got Philip Rivers. Those are the two I really like this year in the... Uh, uh, down under ball. I just think they've got a lot of upside. Um, and tight end position too. That's going to be one of my high draft picks. As you said, that 1.5 bonus point is going to be worth a lot, especially if you've got a good tight end. Um, as we said yep. before, Zach Ertz, Gronkowski, Olsen, um, those are the uh, players I'll be targeting early. Um, hopefully they'll be there by the third round, but I also might just take him in the first round as well, just so I have it, just have yeah, that security blanket. At that, at that 112 pick... I, if I if I was in in your shoes at the 112 201, I'd be more than happy taking Gronk at that turn because with Edelman out for the first four games on his suspension, Gronk is just going to see an insane amount of targets. Brandon Cooks left for the Rams, and then Gronk is going to get fed this year. Of course, he does carry that injury risk, but he had a, a pretty good season last year. And he was tight end two. He played. 14 games, one suspension, one missed from a dead leg, but there was no back injuries, no broken arms. So in, in the scoring system, I think Gronk, Gronk is a true league winner. Absolutely. And, yeah, with my defensive kicker, as you said before, I always take them last. There's no point of taking them early. Um, you can always find a good defense, just like the Eagles last year. I had them. Jacksonville last year, no one took them early. Um, they're going... Oh. They're going early now. They're at the 110 mark, 120. That's just way too, way too early for me. Um, you look at like the Saints. James, James, James. You're 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 gonna you're gonna be one of, one of the owners in the league who's gonna give me a headache. There's no defense and kickers in the FF down under ball. Oh, you're free flex, mate. <laughs> skill position flex. Oh, skill position flex. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna. I know I'm going to get a million questions about this, but yeah, there's no no defense, no kickers because kickers aren't real people, and, and defense in fantasy football is is uh, is not the best idea. What about punters? Opinion. But that's a discussion for another day. No punters? Actually, punters, and you get eight points for a down ball inside the five-yard line. So punters are people. Perfect. Perfect. Alrighty, I reckon that will just about do it for uh, this episode of the Vault Studios Fantasy Football Podcast. Um, as we said earlier in the show, go to the website, www.thevaultstudios.com.au. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you can. And as well, Lewis's uh, FF Down Under on Twitter and Facebook. Um, until next week, see you later, Lewis. See you, James. This was awesome. Look forward to doing it again. Yeah. Hey, hit records on my demo. Did y'all boys not get the memo? I do not stay at the Intercontinental.